Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we remember Jesus' triumphant re-entry into Jerusalem. This happens at the end of Jesus' ministry, and he's going back to Jerusalem, knowing that the people that are there are wanting to kill him. And at this time, they'll succeed, because it's only a few days afterwards when he's crucified. But he knows that this is the reason why he came to this world to give up his own life to pay the price for people's sins. So this is the climax. This is the grand finale of his life. And in it, he comes into Jerusalem and the people celebrate him. So I want to go through this passage and look at this moment when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's found in Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What a great celebration this is! as people who recognize who Jesus is, celebrating his entry into Jerusalem. Now, a passage like this that we kind of talk about on a yearly basis, to be transparent, as a pastor, it's really difficult to come back to the same passage year after year after year and try to look at it from a different angle. And so today, the angle I want to look at this from is the angle of the choice that Jesus made to ride into town on a donkey. Now, of course, this had been prophesied way earlier back in Zechariah that the king, this promised Messiah, would come in riding on a donkey. But other than that prophecy, why would Jesus choose a donkey to ride into town on? You know, my wife pointed out, he could have created a unicorn to ride into town on. He could have ridden in on anything, could have ridden in on a horse. He could have, you know, ridden in on a hundred eagles carrying him. However he wanted to do it, he could have entered into Jerusalem that way. And yet he chose to enter in on a donkey. And I don't think this decision is made just because it's what was prophesied, because I think what was prophesied didn't set up the choice that Jesus made. I think it simply foretold the choice that Jesus was going to make. And so let's talk about this a little bit, about why Jesus would choose to ride in on a donkey. 
Well, first of all, Jesus' whole ministry up to this point, he had traveled on foot. And we're talking about traveling on foot in a time before there was arch support, right? They walked around on sandals everywhere he went. And the roads were not as clean then as they are now, right? You're having horses traveling these roads, camels, and they just poop everywhere they go. So these roads are not clean. They aren't paved, and you're walking on them on sandals. And so compared to the method that Jesus had used to travel up until this point, riding into town on anything at all was already a luxury compared to traveling by foot. And again, this was his triumphant entry. And so this is... This is the one time that he decided, you know what, I'm not just going to walk into town. I'm going to spoil myself a little bit. This is going to be, this is my last day of travel. My last entry into the city before the greatest act that has ever been performed or ever will be in all of history. So you know what? Let's let's make this a little bit more interesting. Let's make this a little bit more exciting. And I'm going to ride into town rather than walk into town. Now, of course, you think of other kings and how they would enter into a town and, you know, with carriages and and servants walking out in front of them and all these different things that kings would have, you know, carried on the backs of others, right, to show how great they were. But for Jesus, he didn't need great luxuries like that because even just a simple donkey was a luxury compared to the way that he had been traveling by foot. And so Jesus coming into Jerusalem as their king, as their promised Messiah, simply on a donkey, it really showed Jesus to be minimalistic. Jesus didn't care about pomp and circumstance and flair. Those things have no meaning. They're very surface level. And sure, they can be nice, but they're not necessary. And Jesus understood that. And he wasn't riding into town to show off all that he was. He was riding into town wanting to convey a different message. That somebody doesn't need servants or carriages or fancy flowing robes in order to be meaningful, and in order to have a purpose worthy of the kingdom of God. And even just right there, there's a lesson that we can learn from. To not chase after those things, not chase after those kind of luxuries in our life, but to realize that when you live a life serving others, that you really don't need much at all. You don't need luxuries, and you can be very minimalistic. And then, the cool part then, is that every small luxury that comes your way is greatly appreciated by you. You're able to fully appreciate what you have. Now, I've talked about this before, but when it comes to money, I'm much more of a saver than a spender. And I have a very difficult time 
spending any money on myself at all. And that's not healthy, right? It's not healthy to hold on to your money so tightly that you never do anything with it, right? That's the whole, I mean, part of the whole lesson of the Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He's he's so greedy because he holds on to every single coin that he has, and he never spends it on anyone, not even himself. And so that's not a healthy place to be. And I wanted to kind of come out of my shell a little bit with that and, and kind of have a more healthy relationship with money. And I was talking to my wife about this, and through our conversation, we came up with this goal for me to set for myself to spend at least a dollar on myself every week. Now, for some of you, that may sound like something that would be incredibly difficult to do for the other reason, right? To only spend money on yourself once a week? Like, that sounds really difficult to do for some of you, I'm sure. But for me, it's, it's the opposite problem. I don't like to spend money ever. And that's not healthy either because then I'm not able to fully enjoy my life because I'm just hoarding all of my money. So with my conversation with my wife, we set this goal, spend at least a dollar on myself every week. And I tell you that it's it's not always easy for me to do that. Um, because I, when I spend the money, I think, well, well, is this really necessary? Like, should I be set, spending this so frivolously, uh, especially if I buy anything like food or coffee, things like that, that aren't lasting and you just eat it or drink it and then it's gone. It, that's really difficult for me to do. But as I've slowly started to get better at doing that, I feel so much more happier. And it's not that money buys happiness or anything like that, but it's it's this idea that you know, we can get to a place where we're so focused on the future that we forget to live in the present. And these little things that many people are so used to, like just, you know, going through McDonald's and getting a McChicken, right? Something people do all the time. For me, that was something I would never allow myself to do. And so now, anytime I do something like that, I greatly enjoy it. And it, it feels like a luxury to me. Now, I, I say all of this to kind of contrast this idea where instead of living a life where you're constantly chasing luxuries and you're chasing comforts and, and you're very materialistic and trying to buy and possess all that you can, that when you allow yourself to live a minimalistic life, every small luxury that you grant yourself, you will be able to fully appreciate in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. If Jesus had ridden everywhere on a donkey, then this one time that it happened wouldn't have been that special. And when we constantly live with every luxury and every comfort that we've grown used to, we don't appreciate it as well. But when we're able to step, take a step back and ask ourselves, do I really need this or do I really need that? And really cut out unnecessary things in our lives. Then those moments when those things come back up and those things appear. We're able to enjoy it so much more than we would otherwise. 
And I think that that can have a powerful effect on other people when we live that way. You know, you think about when a kid is discovering the world and everything's a new wonder and a new incredible thing. And you can have something that, you know, has always just been there and you've grown used to it and you barely notice it anymore. But then when a kid discovers it and wow, it's the coolest thing ever and they're showing it to you, it really does give you a newfound appreciation for that thing. And I do think that that's a lesson that we can learn from this story of Jesus who walked everywhere that he went, walking on sandals on a dusty, dirty road, that for this triumphant moment, this grand occasion, all it took to be a luxury for him was a simple donkey. And how much do we need in our life to be able to enjoy something that happens? And view it as a luxury. And we should really get to a place where we need less and can appreciate more. Now I also think that it's important to note that Jesus was riding in on a donkey, especially rather than a horse. Because kings rode horses, right? You would think that if Jesus was going to come into Jerusalem as a king, that he would ride in on a horse. But if Jesus had ridden in on a horse rather than a donkey, I think it would have sent a very different message. Because you can have different kinds of horses that really all kind of send the same message, right? So he didn't ride in on a war horse, like a conqueror coming to claim the lands and everybody get out of the way, hide in your homes because the king is coming on his war horse to lay claim to this land. It wasn't a prancing horse dancing along, trotting with these beautiful maneuvers, and well, stay out of the way and just admire this, uh, this beautiful performance before you and, and don't interfere with it, right? Or a racehorse just taking off down the road and you don't have a chance of catching up to it. And you better, better watch closely because it's only going to be here for, the, for an instant and then it's gone, right? All of those different ways that a horse would ride into a city and contrast that with a donkey. A slow, steady pace close to the ground. See, all of those different examples of a horse riding into town, there's a separation between the rider and those on foot. But with a donkey, you don't have that same separation. The donkey moves slow enough and is low enough to the ground that it's easy to approach the rider. You don't have to worry so much about getting in the way and getting trampled as the rider goes along his path. You know that you have time to see who is riding on it. And that it's not going to be a great inconvenience to go up and talk with them as they ride. And so by riding in on a donkey rather than a horse, Jesus showed himself to be someone who was approachable. Which is incredible when you think about who Jesus was and really how set apart he was from the rest of the world. And yet he chose to enter in a way that didn't highlight how much greater he was. It highlighted that he was there for them. And he wanted them to be able to approach him. 
And really that's seen throughout Jesus's whole ministry, you know, eating with sinners and things like that, but it's re-emphasized here. He's not here to stand above them. He's here to serve them. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He was going in there for their sake, to sacrifice his own life, and he was there for them. He would be their prophet, their king, their savior. Come to me, all you who are weary. I'll give you rest. Come to me. I am approachable. And he was very intentional about that, even in this passage about choosing what he was going to ride into town. And it's important that we too are intentional about what kind of message we send to other people. And are we approachable for them? Are we someone that they can look to and say, this is someone who is friendly. This is someone, even without us saying a single word, right? Just in the message that we convey through how we look and how we act and what kind of people we surround ourselves with, all of those kinds of things. Is there a smile on our face and is it a genuine smile or is it just the smile that we plaster on there to just kind of, yep, smile and nod and, and not you know listen to anybody, just get out of this situation? People can tell the difference, right? So we need to think about that of how do we present ourselves and do we present ourselves the way that Jesus does here where we are someone that is approachable. Someone that people know that when they have a need, that they can come to you. And churches have tried to be a bit more intentional about that, just in the way that we present those um, that are kind of up in front of everyone else. Uh, The church that I preach at, one of the things I like about it is that rather than having the pulpit up on the platform, you know, kind of separated away from everyone else, that it's down at the same level as everyone else. And I love that because it, it's this intentional way of sending this unspoken message that I'm not above any of you. I am a follower of Christ just like you. And yes, I'll stand behind the pulpit to prepare the message that God has given to me, but that doesn't make me any different or any greater than any of you. And that God can speak to you the same way he speaks to me. There's not this hierarchy in the kingdom of God. We are all equals. And that's one example, you know, of the way that we try to do that in church. But I want you throughout this week to think about in your personal life, what kind of message you convey to others. And is it one that shows you to be approachable for them? Because again, we're not here in this world for our own sake or to benefit ourselves. We are here as Christ's ambassadors to bring his message of hope and life to others. And if we keep people at an arm's length away, if we keep people at a distance and separate ourselves from them, then we'll never have an opportunity to share that message. And so like Jesus, we want to show ourselves to be approachable. Now, another cool thing that I found out about donkeys in my research for this sermon was that donkeys were often ridden by Israel's judges. 
So if you go back in the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 5, when Deborah is singing her song, in that song it says, My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people, praise the Lord. You who ride on white donkeys, sitting on your saddle blankets, and you walk, and you who walk along the road, consider, and then she goes into what they should consider. But in that, she's talking about Israel's princes, which, of course, Israel at this time didn't have kings. They had judges. So anyone of special stature in Israel at that time, among the governmental levels, they rode on white donkeys, and they rode around listening to the people. And then also in Judges chapter 12, which talks about some of the minor judges, in verse 13, it says that after him, talking about the judge Elon, after that judge, Abdon, son of Hillel from Parathon, led Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. He led Israel eight years. So I found this really cool and interesting that those in Israel who were judges and seen as princes and people who would listen to those around them, that they all rode on donkeys. And I think that that was intentional because as a judge, what you did was you would go to cities and listen to the cries of the people, hear their pleas, hear their arguments and cases that they were dealing with so that you could be the judge in those cases to help them solve their disputes. And so you needed to travel all around Israel, but you needed to travel in a way where you were able to be approached and hear their needs. And so it makes sense that the judges at this time rode around on donkeys. And you think about that, that that's the background and that's the history of Israel when they see Jesus riding in on a donkey. And Jesus in that moment is sending an additional message that he's not coming in as that conquering king, but rather he is coming in as a judge. And that would have been very encouraging to the Israelites there because they were under subjugation. They were under Roman rule. And they could see injustices taking place, right? That's why Barabbas was trying to cause an uprising during that time to overthrow that government because they are not treating us well. They are treating us wrongly. They are treating us with prejudice and evil. We need to overthrow these people. And this was something that the Israelites could see, that this is not where we need to be, and we need someone to help us. We need somebody to judge the wrongdoings of these people who are ruling over us. And in that context, Jesus rides in on a donkey, which was ridden by the judges of old. Can you imagine the hope that filled the people, the way that they would be inspired by seeing this prophet who they, would, they were hearing about? He would go and heal people. He had the power and authority of God on his shoulders, and he's coming here in the midst of all this trouble that we have, 
as a holy and righteous judge. Is it any wonder that they celebrated in this way, putting their cloaks down for him to walk across and cutting off these branches of palm trees, shouting praise to him, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Hosanna, that word means save. He is coming to save us. This righteous, holy judge has come in to save us from our oppressors. Blessed be his name. And what a celebration they had because Jesus came in as someone who could represent their cause. That was the message the donkey sent. This wasn't some king who traveled in carriages and coaches and and had all of these luxuries. No, this was one of them. He was one of their people as well. And he rode in, not with great carriages and luxuries and servants, but on a donkey, which was already a luxury compared to traveling by foot. And he wasn't riding in on a horse to separate himself from the people, but a donkey showing himself to be approachable and coming into town like the judges of old, ready to right what has been wrong. He represented them, and he represented their cause in a way greater than they could even realize, because in their mind, he's coming to represent them and make their case as an oppressed people by Roman authority. But for Jesus, he's saying, I'm coming to represent you in the eyes of the Father and to represent through my life and my sacrifice, how you will be free and cleansed from the price of sin. Jesus wasn't just representing himself. He was representing his people. And that's what they were excited about, that they were being represented by their oppressors. And there is that strong desire in each and every one of us as we struggle through life and we're faced with all of these burdens that we have to wrestle with, that we just want somebody to plead our case. We want somebody to stand in our place and to stand up for our troubles and our suffering and to speak for us in ways that we can't put into words for ourselves. We want that. And we get frustrated when that doesn't happen. That's part of the reason why people hate politicians so much, isn't it? Because you don't feel represented by these people who are supposed to represent you and your needs. Now again, that's a desire that we have. That somebody would take up our cause. That somebody would be our voice. And again, that's what Jesus is doing here and we, as followers of Christ, are meant to follow in that example as well. So that not only do we represent our own, our own needs, but we should also be a voice for the needs of those around us. That we are able to be approached by others and that we go to where they're at as well and approach them and say, what is it? 
that is on your heart? What burden do you have? What sufferings are you wrestling with? And how can I be a voice in the right places to stand up and represent your needs to others so that those needs can be met? Because that's what Jesus was doing for these people, and we're supposed to follow in his example. And so I want to leave us today with kind of this understanding of what all it meant for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And with all of that in mind, to ask this question, how can we present ourselves the way that Christ presented himself in this passage? as he re-entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, riding on a donkey. And what all that meant, what all that reflected and showed of his, of his character, and how can we present ourselves in that way? As someone who isn't caught up in luxuries, but is really able to fully appreciate all that they have, because they don't spend their lives chasing after those things. And someone who isn't just trying to separate themselves by others, but are showing themselves to be approachable because we want to listen to their needs and represent their cause, represent their needs to others so that they can receive the help and love that they need. So how do we do that? And again, that's something where everybody's in a different place. Everybody's in a different context with different people around them, different skills that they have. And that's why I can only do so much in preaching a sermon. And it comes to this place then when you need to have a conversation with God and let God speak directly into your life to show you how to implement the character of Christ as shown in this passage. So I encourage you, take some time with God and let him show you how you can present yourself in the way that he presented himself while he was on earth. And that's today's sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I do have a Patreon if you want to support this, but it's not necessary. I appreciate you just taking the time to listen, but I do ask that you would share this with others wherever you're listening to it, like it, rate it, all of those things that help promote the message to get it out for others to hear. Because the truth of God is not something I want to keep to myself. It's something that I want to share with all people. And I just ask that you would help me in getting these messages out for others to hear as well. But until next time, I pray that God's blessing will be upon you. And I pray that you have a wonderful Palm Sunday. Thank you for listening.